right. Good morning, everyone. So for those of you who don't know uh, DJ, uh, DJ and his company it actually supplied us with uh, the soundboard and, and, and everything else that we have here, the high-speed internet, the lights, and what's really cool about it is I've worked with, and I'm sure you guys have too, you know, vendors and suppliers, and typically when, after the initial sale and implementation, you never hear from them again. Well, that's not been the case with DJ. He has been there every step of the way when we've needed him. There have been times during this, this very service, maybe not today, or not yet at least, where uh, Tammy's had to call him saying, hey, what's going on here? And he's always been able to troubleshoot, and he's been a blessing to the church. So, DJ, if you're watching, congratulations, and thanks for staring, sharing your story. <coughs> so this morning, we're going to continue our sermon series, Finding Your Place in His Story. Uh, last week, if you remember, Tommy shared his message brokenness, the human uh, tragedy. And today, hopefully, it's going to be a little bit more uplifting. <laughs> We're going to be talking about God's promise, which applies to us all. So when you think about promise, there are a few things that are disheartening, as when someone makes a promise to you and breaks it. We know intuitively that when someone makes a promise, they should, they should keep it. They should keep their word. I mean, why even make a promise if you're not going to follow through? And I believe some people, when they make their promise, um, they don't always have the character or integrity to stand by it. Others make their promises lightly, never really intending to fulfill them, unless it becomes convenient or self-serving for them to do so. You know, broken promises seem to be a normal part of our lives. But unfortunately, broken promises can have, an, and they do, have a negative effect on our faith. When someone breaks their promise to us, we're, we're disappointed, and we begin to lose trust. And then when they break them over and over again, it's like, you know, why, why bother? But some people even lose faith in God. They forget that when it comes to keeping promises, God is absolutely faithful. We're going to start off reading uh, from Scripture, uh, Numbers uh, chapter 23, verse 19, and it says, God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should change his mind. Does God speak and then not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? Of course not. I mean, rest assured, God is the ultimate promise keeper. And he has a perfect record in keeping promises. He's the king. <laughs> he is perfect when it comes to keeping a promise. And although we may know this and truly believe it in our hearts, from time to time, each of us can still experience a crisis of faith when what we see before us in the world doesn't always align up with what we believe God's promises are. But then we need to remember that faith believes even without seeing. And we read in Hebrews uh, chapter 11, to have faith is to be sure of the things we hope for to be certain of the things we cannot see. Now, Abraham, and we're going to be talking about Abraham a lot this morning, he experienced a similar crisis of faith. What he could see with his own eyes didn't seem to line up with what God had promised him. Yet Abraham, thank God, a, a, a pr he, he chose to believe God's promise, even when he couldn't see how it could possibly be fulfilled. You see, Abraham believed God against all the odds, and God worked through him. 
He worked through Abraham's faith to be a blessing not only to him, but to others through him. And we read in Genesis chapter 17, and here's where God is speaking with Abram. And he told him, as for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram. Your name will be Abraham. For I have made you a father of many nations. I will make you very fruitful. I will make nations of you. And kings will come from you. I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants after you for generations to come to be your God of your descendants after you. Now, as you read this, there's one thing that we often overlook or we can overlook, and that is as Christians, once we come into the presence of God, we're never the same again, never, and, and amen to that. You know, 2 Corinthians tells us in chapter 5, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. Friends, that's what God does for us. He takes us and makes us new. So he told Abram that he'd no longer be Abram, but Abraham, meaning father of many nations. And right here we see that God was already getting Abraham ready for the, crop, for the promises he was about to release on him. God was already showing the evidence of his promise, and Abraham didn't even realize it. Now, as God was speaking to Abraham, you've got to realize at this point, God had always had a relationship with Abraham. In Genesis chapter 12, God gives him this instruction, and he gives him this promise. The Lord said, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Wow. <laughs> uh, this wasn't only an incredible promise from God. It was an incredible ask. I mean, Abraham is 75 years old, and God's asking him to pack up, leave everything. <laughs> Abraham didn't even know where he was going. But in spite of this, he obeyed God and left. And I'll be honest with you. I don't know if I could have done that. I doubt that I could have done that. Imagine God. And now this is, you know, now we know the story of Abraham. If God asked Tommy right to do something, we're on it because we know. But Abraham back then, you know, he's, he's being asked to do this. He's being asked to, hey, sell everything you have, take your family, pack up the truck, start driving. Don't worry about GPS. I'll tell you where to go. I mean, like I said, it was a big ask. And this morning, we're going to look at six things that I believe we could know about God's promise to Abraham that applies to us. And that could be an encouragement to all of us. And the first one is, God's promise didn't make sense based on Abraham's circumstances. You know, after asking him to leave, the first thing God did was tell Abraham he would make him into a great nation. This didn't make sense to Abraham. He's 75 years old, and his wife Sarah was not only past the childbearing years, when she was in the childbearing years, she wasn't able to have a child. And when you think about it, infertility can be an excruciating, difficult, and painful thing for any couple. 
but especially Abraham and, S- and Sarah, because they lived in a culture that viewed the barren w- womb as a curse. So they likely suffered um, public humiliation, along with their personal sense of failure and loss. You know, Abraham's sorrow over Sarah's infertility was so great that we read in Genesis 15, verses 1 through 3, that after this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. And it said, do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. But Abram said, sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless and the one who will inherit my estate is Elijah of Damascus? And Abram said, you have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. I mean, can't you just hear the disappointment, the sorrow, the frustration, the anxiety, the disappointment? You know, when you think about it, Abraham was, I mean, just incredibly distraught. His name meant father of many. And here he was, the father of none, the father of no children. So that a servant of his household would be the one that inherited his family estate. Not a son. But here's the good news. God uh, made this promise, and Abram believed in that promise. And God worked through his faith to bring him a great blessing. Abraham didn't become the father of Isaac by his own strength, by his own natural capacity, by his virility. (laughs) I mean, he's 99 years old. The birth of Isaac was the result of his faith. And it's a good reminder to all of us that we can accomplish much, much more for God by faith in his promises, more than we can ever by relying on our own strength, our own resources. The second thing, Abraham was blessed to be a blessing. And friends, this is a simple truth, to be a blessing of God on Abraham's life. God blessed him so he could bless others. The truth is, it's not just for Abraham, it's for you and me. You know, God never intends a blessing to be kept for ourselves. It goes against God's character. God takes the best that he has and he shares it with us. He expects us to do the same, to pay it forward. Everything God gives you may be for your enjoyment, but it's not for your exclusivity. God blessed Abraham so he could be a blessing. Whatever degree God has blessed us with, we need to turn it over and bless others. If God gave you artistic or creative ability, bless it with others. If God gave you a leadership or business acumen, bless it with others. If God made you a great chef, share it with others. And I believe sometimes we overlook that with Abraham and how he being blessed was for him to be a blessing. So the key is when you put your faith in God's promises, God's not only a blessing to you, God will be a blessing to others through you. And we see this in Genesis chapter 15. God tells Abraham, look up at the heavens and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. So shall your offspring be. Wow. God fulfills the promise, and we read in Hebrews uh, chapter 11, and so from this one man, as he was good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. 
That's a lot of descendants, all the sand on the seashore. One man's faith brought blessing to many. One man that was as good as dead. I mean, I love that description, but it's true. When it came to having children, Abraham was as good as dead. A hundred-year-old man and his 99-year-old barren wife had about as much chance as conceiving a child as did a dead man. But by faith in God's promises, the father of none became the father of many. In fact, he became the father of nations and indeed the father of all of us who believe. God promised Abraham countless descendants. There was no math that can count them all. God fulfilled that promise through the birth of Isaac and then through Jacob and the nation of Israel. God fulfilled the promise further through the coming of Jesus as our Lord and Savior. And God continues to fulfill the promise today through the many people, both Jew and Gentile, who have come to Christ for salvation. And there's one reason that demonstrates how much faith he had. He obeyed God, he trusted God in his promise, and there was no way possible to decipher what would happen. Yet he obeyed anyway. For you and me, God's promise often works the same way. They're usually made when a situation or circumstances don't match up to what we were hoping for. Yet the beauty of God's promises is that they don't have to. God's timing is perfect. And it's not limited by our circumstances. He, he's able to do much more in spite of our circumstances, which is exactly what he did for Abraham. You know, the third item we're going to talk about is God's promise of, of Genesis chapter 12, verse 3 has much, much greater reach than just that. Again, in verse 3, God promises, I'll bless you, I'll bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. Now, as this was said, and as you read this, most of the time, the promise is viewed in relation to, to Israel, and that's rightfully so. But when you think about it, the promise has a much greater reach than just that, because the promise didn't just apply to Abraham, but it applied, it applied to Abraham's seed. Because of this, there are two parts of that promise that we need to look at. The first is the greatest offspring that ever came from Abraham's lineage was Jesus. Therefore, the blessing and cursing not only applies to the way one would treat Israel, but more importantly, the way you would treat Jesus. For those of us who bless Jesus, God will be a blessing to us. For those people that curse Jesus, God will curse them. And the second part of that promise was what Paul said to the early Christians in, in Ephesus. And there's two parts of this. First, in chapter 2, verse 19, Paul wrote, You Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are the citizens of everyone else who belongs to the family of God. And then in chapter 3, verse 6, This mystery is through the gospel, through the gospel, that Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together, as one body and sharers together in the promise of Christ Jesus. God's promise to Abraham goes beyond the nation of Israel. And I mean, Paul is crystal clear here that those who are Gentiles have now been included. And therefore, that promise of Genesis 12.3 is still relevant, while it's still relevant to the people in Israel, it's also, it extends to everyone, everyone that's found Jesus. So if you believe in Jesus, if you've accepted him as your Lord and Savior, this promise applies to you. 
Those that bless you, God will bless. And those that are curse you, he'll curse. You know, the fourth, the fourth reason. All the nations of the earth have been blessed. Of all the things, of everything that we know about God's promise to Abraham, this one was, I believe, the hardest to execute. I mean, how would it be possible that all the nations of the earth would be blessed because of Abraham? And if you look back at that verse, remember, there, it was an eternal promise. God didn't put an expiration date on it. And the fulfillment of Abraham's promise is not because of Abraham, not because the nation of Israel. It was because the promise in Jesus that God made. Charles Spurgeon, a world-renowned preacher in England back in the late 1800s, had this great insight. He said, if God had meant to run back from any promise, he would surely have run back from the promise to give his only begotten son. But having fulfilled that, what promise would he ever break? And that's a similar thought to what Paul writes to the early Christians in Rome, where he reads, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? I mean, think about that. God's the ultimate promise keeper. If he promised that he was give his only begotten son, I mean, that's about the biggest promise you could give. Anything else is a much smaller promise. That's what God did for us. Because of Jesus and that sacrifice that he willingly made on the cross to redeem us with its father, it's now possible that all the nations of the earth can be blessed. And God fulfilled this promise that he made to Abraham. When God made that promise, I believe God was thinking well beyond the nation of Israel. He was thinking of all of us. He was thinking that eventually we'd all be part of his kingdom if we've accepted Jesus Christ. And that brings us to the fifth point, which is God sometimes stacks the odds. <laughs> you know, when it comes to God's promises, sometimes we worry about the odds. We're like, that would be impossible. I'm sure... Abraham might have thought that when God said at 100 years old, guess what, you're going to be a dad. But you know what? Don't worry about the odds. Because to God, the odds mean nothing. Because with God, everything is possible. In fact, I believe that sometimes God even stacks the odds against us for a reason. Because he wants us to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that what just happened in our lives or to the lives of a loved one was be because divine intervention. It wasn't because something we did on our own. Think about Gideon in the Old Testament. When Gideon brought 32,000 men into battle, the odds were already stacked against him. And we read in Judges chapter 7, the Midianites and the Amalekites all, and all other eastern people had settled in the valley thick as locusts. So there were 32,000 men that were no match for, I don't know if it was millions or hundreds of thousands of people that were going to be fighting them. But God said to Gideon, you know what? 32,000, I don't want you going with 32,000. Take 300. 300 against millions or hundreds of thousands. Why would God do that? Well, he tells us in Judges uh, chapter 7, he said, in order that Israel may not boast against me that her own strength has saved her. 
Look at the New Testament. Look at Lazarus. When Jesus received word that his friend, now this was his friend Lazarus, was sick and dying, Jesus delayed, intentionally I believe, four days till he visited the grave. And by the time he got there, um, the disciples were like, oh, if you would have come sooner. Um, but Jesus waited four days. And he did that because there'd be no question that Lazarus was truly dead. When Jesus raised him from the, from the dead, it was amazing. It wasn't just healing him. It was the great miracle of resurrection. So then why does God sometimes stack the odds against us? Why does he do that? As I said before, he does it to bring himself the glory that he deserves. He wants us to say, this is by God's grace. This is a miracle. And I know it's absolutely to remind you why, how this happened. Hey, I don't know if it's ever happened to you. It's happened to me and my family. There are some things that should never have come down, but by God's grace, they did. And that's when God stacks the odds. When you've got no hope, when the doctors have said this, when your finances are down this, when you can't find a job, when things happen, when a relationship is shot and a marriage is falling apart, and God intervenes and makes a way where there is no way in our humanly eyes, that's God's grace. That's why he sometimes sacrifices um, or sacrifices our well-being or our anxiety or any of that so we could realize that when something comes to pass, it's because of him. And when that happens, he expe expects us to share it with others. So if something's happened to me and I've been healed and someone else is going through something similar, for me to share that, don't fret. God can make this happen. We're called to share our blessings. That's the theme of this year for all of us. Let me tell you about my Jesus. Faith believes God against all odds because nothing is impossible to God. In Romans chapter 4, Paul describes Abraham's faith this way. He says, against all hope, Abraham in hope believed and so became the father of many nations, just as it had been said to him so shall your offspring be. Without a weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead. Since he was a hundred years old and Sarah's womb was also dead, yet he, Abraham, did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he had promised. Friends, when we choose to believe God against all the odd, God's. God wakes, he works through his promises to bring us great blessing. God will bring you great blessing, and God will bring blessings to all of you. And the sixth point is here that the promise to, to Abraham, it wasn't about Abraham. It wasn't. It was about God. You know, the last thing I want everyone to know is that God's promise to Abraham was independent on Abraham. It was dependent on God to bring it to pass, not Abraham. Here's what God promised to do. There are eight things. The first one is he promised, I will show you where to go. Then he said, I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse those that cursed you. And I will bless all the people on earth through you. Eight times. Eight times God said, I will. 
There was only one requirement necessary to get these promises in motion. Abraham had to go. He didn't have to work it out. He didn't have to figure it out. He didn't have to make it happen. He didn't have to try to bring them to pass. All he had to do was go. The same truth is for you and me. When God makes us a promise, in order for it to pass, we have to act in obedience. Don't worry about the how. Focus on the who. If God says to us, I will, like he did for Abraham, you've got to trust that he will. God kept his promise and blessed Abraham with a son who through him came the 12 tribes of Israel and the evidence of God's promise was clear, crystal clear. But let me share even more encouraging news because God didn't stop with Abraham. There are promises that God has left for you and me to encourage us and give us strength, particularly when we need that strength. God promised us in Hebrews 13, Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. In Psalm 32, he promises, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. Joshua chapter 1, No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Isaiah 41, he promises, do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous, with my righteous hand. And then finally, he promised in Leviticus, I will walk among you and be your God, and you will be my people. Those are only a fraction of God's promises to us. Listen, the enemy is out there waiting and watching our every move. God said he's keeping his promise. He said he's been keeping them, but sometimes we're just not keeping up with them. He said those little things that just so happening is the evidence of his promise. We, we can't overlook them. Again, God's timing is perfect. It doesn't always align with our timing, but God's timing is perfect. And we need to recognize that every promise that he made to us, he will fulfill. Because he is the ultimate promise keeper. The scripture tells us that God is not slack concerning his promise. And I'm here to tell you today that you are the evidence of his promise. You, every one of you, every one of us are evidence. God has promised us so many things. In our minds, he's talked to us. Maybe he's shown us visions. He's promised to take us to the promised land. God has made promises and he's beginning to fulfill them. Perhaps he's fulfilled them for you already. The beautiful thing about God is that he's not changed. There's one promise that we've yet to see. And it's the best promise at all. Because one day, and it's going to be a great day, we're going to be able to say when we're in God's kingdom with him, God, you, may, you fulfilled that promise. Abraham trusted God's promise, and through that, everything was fulfilled. Now, he didn't live up, he didn't see everything, he didn't see what resulted, and what's still resulting for that promise, but he believed in God. So as I close, I just want you to remember, God wants you to go to the promises in his word, in the Bible. That's where they are. That's where God talks to us, and it will give us comfort 
and strength and assurance that each of us need in our lives. And through your faith in the promises, God will be a great blessing to each of us. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for today. We thank you as your children for everything you do for us. Father, we thank you for every blessing you bestow upon us, everything you've provided us. Thank you for the promises that you've bestowed on Abraham and all the peoples on earth. We thank you for every promise you've made. And we ask that we would always remember that you are the promise keeper. More than anyone, you can be trusted. So, Father, may our faith be steadfast, regardless of the odds, knowing that nothing is impossible to you. Father, thank you for our lives and every blessing you bestow upon us, most of all. Most of all, dear God, thank you for the incredible, amazing gift of your son, Jesus. It's in his precious and powerful name we pray. Amen.